This episode is part two of our conversation with Guilford County Schools Superintendent, Dr. Sharon Contreras. Our host for this episode is Dr. Joe Blosser, Associate Professor of Religion and Philosophy and Director of Service Learning at High Point University. Dr. Blosser is also a GEA board member. I think one of the things you mentioned around community support um, that really struck me is the infrastructure. Like we just learned our facilities weren't weren't ready. You know, for a lot of uh, businesses and companies, they could turn on the extra filtration, open up the windows, get the HVAC systems running on high to, to make sure there was fresh air in the buildings. But because of the master plan, master facilities plan that you initiated a couple of years ago, we learned that at the average age of our school building is 51 years old. In fact, many of our schools do look like they looked when we went to school, unfortunately. And I think um, that plan highlighted there were some 500 mobile classrooms, many of which date from the 1970s. What I mean, coming out of this pandemic, we have to be eyes wide open that our facilities need an overhaul if we're going to prepare children for to be college and career ready. And I know there are probably many in our community who are thinking, well, you know, we just passed this $300 million bond. Um, that that's good, but tell me a little bit about what what that three hundred million is going to do. But really, what what's the big need? How much how much do we need in order for our facilities to be the kinds of places that can help our teachers and our students really succeed? Right. So one, I think we have to really um, pay attention to what is happening and be careful consumers of information. We can't just take someone's word for it. And I don't expect anyone to just take my word as the superintendent. I expect them to look at uh, data, read reports, and actually look at how the state has contributed uh, to uh, facilities, upgrades or not. Uh, And they can look and see that we asked for $1.6 billion uh, to upgrade schools, and we only $300 million uh, was uh, proposed to the voters, which will only touch nine schools. Now, is this a good start? Nine out of 128. Right. So um, is it a good start? Yes, it's better than nothing. But I want us to understand, while other districts were using their CARES Act money and ESSA funds to upgrade the filters in their HVAC systems, many of our HVAC systems are so old, we couldn't upgrade to the new filters. Um, we walked through every building, and we went to each classroom and just made sure at least one window could open. I want us to think about how heartbreaking that is. We didn't make sure all windows could open because we just don't have the funding for that. We said we want to make sure at least one window opened so we can get some fresh air in classrooms. This is not the way we should be treating children in this country, in this community. This is not the way we should be treating our employees, our teachers, our school nutrition workers, our, uh, you know, teacher's assistants. 
One-sixth of all Americans are in public schools every day in this country. So all of us touch somebody. It's our neighbors, our wives, husbands, significant others, cousins, brothers, uncles. Somebody we know is in a public school. We must do better by these individuals uh, who are in public schools. And most importantly, by our children who are in these schools that are dilapidated and they should not have fallen in disrepair in the first place because we should have taken care of this at the state and the federal level. And when they did not, certainly at the local level, we should have done what we could. I am um, encouraged that at the local level, I'm hearing the county intends to take this to the voters so that we can add another $1.6 billion uh, to address the rest of the schools. And we have to do that because many of the schools across the country were closed, not just because of the pandemic, but because we couldn't address this in the school because of the age of the schools and we couldn't ensure that there was fresh air circulating. Wow. And I I mean, here in Guilford County, Guilford County Schools is the largest employer in the county. So you're talking about the number of people that it impacts. It's not just our kids, but it's also so many of our, uh, you know, siblings and parents and coworkers like are all connected to public education. And if we want our kids to be ready to to take jobs in advanced manufacturing and STEM, you can't do that if you don't have the lab space, if you don't have the technology in the schools to be educated to be able to do that. I say that all the time that um, the state is doing a good job in terms of ranking number two in the nation with tech jobs now, but they'll have to bring in people from outside of the state to take those jobs. It won't be the children from Guilford County who will be able to take advantage of the the technology jobs or the manufacturing jobs unless we change something now. So the children are receiving those experiences while in the Guilford County schools. And we have an exciting plan uh, to address that by creating gaming schools, artificial intelligence schools, manufacturing schools, uh, schools for construction, green construction, lots of great plans, hospitality programs, lots of career technology education, uh, CTE programs uh, in our schools, but we have to move quickly to get these schools up and running or else others will take advantage of this and our students will graduate and not have the knowledge and skills to actually uh, go out and get these jobs. I mean, I I can hear the urgency in your voice. Like, this can't be a 20-year bond that by 2050 we have finally touched every school in the county but like this this has to happen now for our economy for these kids but also just so we're competitive as a whole county right absolutely you know i was thinking in houston they have a high school uh at uh hobby airport you know with a hangar and everything and we have plans for that too here to have a high school at the airport aerospace technology school 
but we have to move on that. And that's a growing field. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that keeps me up at night. I don't want students just going to school and taking a math class, a science class, you know, a reading class, an English class that doesn't amount to very much when they go out and they compete with the students from Wake County or the students from Houston Independent School District, the students from Charlotte who have been giving um, very different and uh, in many cases richer experiences. Yeah. Well, I know from some of our previous conversations that a, a lot of this for you comes from a commitment to equity, that at your core, you're wanting all children to succeed. And I wonder if you just say a word about what that, that idea of all children succeeding, what, what equity means to you. Yeah, so I always talk about transforming life and learning outcomes. And I say, um, while test scores are an indicator, I'm not trying to improve test scores. I'm trying to improve life outcomes um, because life outcomes for students have life and death um, consequences. Our board chair, Dina Hayes, uh, reminds us that any system process or policy that yields race-based outcomes isn't race-neutral. So we have to be bold and address systems head on rather than reinforcing the inequities. And I feel when we don't address the facilities, when we don't provide tutoring programs and catch students up, when we don't provide learning hubs, when our um, uh, programs for the most gifted students or gifted programs are primarily white and don't represent uh, our entire student body, um, we are setting students up to fail. We're not making sure that all students can be successful. When our AP classes and IB programs are not representative of all of the beautiful students in Guilford County, we are setting some students up to fail. And we have to think about that every day. Um, when we have uh, disparate discipline outcomes, and then we try to make it about safe schools, and we're not honest and say we treat students who uh, do the same thing differently in terms of uh, the consequences we provide. Um, we're not being honest about what kind of uh, outcomes uh, that may result in for those students, academic outcomes, life outcomes. And I spent a lot of time at the juvenile detention center speaking to students. We've had eight students since I've been here actually graduate from the JDC. None had graduate, uh, graduate from Guilford County Schools who are in the JDC. None had graduated prior to me um, coming. But many of those students end up going on to the adult facilities throughout the state. And I think as I hand them their diplomas, what more could we have done to keep them out of this place? Why is it that so many of the students in juvenile detention centers here and across the United States are poor? They're black, they're brown. They are exceptional children. They're in uh, special education programs. Um, they uh, tend to be English language learners. That tells me that those students are in these uh, facilities because they are poor, 
um, not because of uh, we're exacting justice fairly in this country, and we need to think about uh, how important education is for keeping these children out of the system. And that's one of the reasons I'm just so passionate about what education can do for transforming lives, for transforming uh, Guilford County. And I'm going to push on that every day. Mm. And I won't let anything, anyone turn me around, Mm. not negativity, not meanness. I'm going to push on that as long as there is breath in my body. I mean, you know, I'm a Christian pastor, so I'm hearing you talk. And I'm just hearing, you know, Jesus leaving the 99 to go find the one, right? Like, we're, we're not going to say, eh, we're, mo- most kids are good, so we're, we're good and we're done. Man, I'm hearing you saying, if there's one kid, one kid out there that we're not reaching, that we're not touching, we've got to think critically about why that is. What are the systems and structures that, that we've got to put in place? Yeah, come on now. Now that's where I, that's where I started when I came here. I tell that story all the time about and because so many people represent themselves as people of faith, but they right away say, "Well, we can't lose all the other kids for that one." Well, that's not what Jesus teaches. He taught, "You go, you find that one." And I say all the time, like as an educator, as a teacher, as a principal, if someone was missing from my class, I couldn't even teach him. We ought to get to that way now. Wait a minute, y'all. Y'all wait a minute. I gotta go. Y'all, I'm going to put so-and-so in charge. You keep going. I'm going out to find whoever that is. And once we find him, we are going to rejoice that he has returned because it's not okay to lose even one. Not one, because we are all made in God's image. And um, because he's created all of us in his image, that means we're worthy of love. Um, we're worthy. Of, we all have humanity. And we should all be treated um, in schools as though um, we should be there and that we want them to be there, not that you're a problem and you shouldn't be there. So... I send my principals out all the time. And one thing I'm really proud about is how many of my principals now will be out in the streets looking for these kids, knocking on doors. And my kids now are like, oh, my God, they came to my job. Uh, principals like, you, at my <laughs> you know you're not supposed to be working at this time. You're supposed to be in school, and school matters. And I want them to know so much. We love them so much. We're not going to um, let you go. We're not going to let you succumb to the streets. We're going to bring you back into the folds. And I just want that to be the spirit of all of the adults in Guilford County Schools. I mean, the number of stories I've heard this year of the links that principals have gone to, to connect with their kids. I'm thinking, how humanizing this has to be for these principals. I mean, knocking on doors, finding people where they work. Um, I mean, I, I think of uh, Principal Giles singing, I will always love you to his graduates, like that connection, that passion. Um, you know, as uh, Liz Samuels, who's a communities and schools coordinator at Northwood, uh, I bring her into to my class to talk at HPU. And I bring her in because she exudes 
this passion and care for kids. And she, you know, from 50 years of teaching tells my students, look, kids aren't going to learn a thing from you till they know that you care. That's right. Once they know you care, then you can teach them. And I've just, I've seen so much this year about the care, the love, the humanity that teachers and principals have brought to this work, which is beautiful, but it's also exhausting. It is. And it is. I, I hear that passion, but also that oh, that weight on your shoulders. And I, I wonder if you just share with us. I mean, so many of us admire you so deeply and all the work that you're doing, all of the the things, the walls that you're busting through to try to innovate, to try to reach these kids. What's the most challenging, the hardest thing for you that you face in this work? I think... Um What's difficult is uh, the way that some will try to intentionally put barriers in the way or accuse you of not caring, not caring for all kids. or And it just makes the work more difficult every day because you're trying so hard. Um, you know, some who will say you only care about um, black and brown kids when I love these kids so much. I love every single one of them and would give my life for any of them because I want them to succeed. But of course, those who need more, you give more to. You, yeah. you know, you're supposed to just like um, if you're in a hospital and you have a patient, if you have a patient who has stage four cancer, you spend more time with that patient because um, the patient has a, uh, a critical illness. And so I think that that wears on you um, when you know how much you're giving and how much you're trying um, to really help all children, no matter where they are, whether they're wealthy or whether they're poor, um, whether they have everything they need in life or whether they have nothing. You're really trying to see that they still keep growing and developing and they reach their potential, but you still have those out there who want to um, just accuse you or accuse the system of not working on behalf of children. It makes it very mm. hard to continue in the work so and you're trying to motivate others as well that is is really tough i think that people don't always see that um those who are public officials elected officials that um, you're a human being you know and you become tired you're exhausted um you put so much into um the work or most of us do and um that that makes it difficult sometimes, especially when you're trying to keep others going as well. But I've just learned that um, this is my calling, as you said. It is my purpose and my destiny. And I'm just going to stay on the wall. Mm. And I'm going to keep building as long as I'm supposed to keep building. And I won't be um, deterred. And I believe that education is about... Um, sustaining a free society. Society. It's about our democracy, which I believe in so strongly. And Ella Baker said, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. 
And I can't rest because I don't believe that everyone is experiencing our democracy in the same way. They do not feel the freedom in the same way. And so until I feel a certain peace about that, I'm going to keep fighting for all of these students. And until all of the students see this and see the humanity in one another, even if they feel more freedom than another, I want them to see the humanity in one another and fight for the freedom for one another so that we have a more just society and everyone feels that they have a say in this democracy. And I think that's what the purpose of public schools really um, uh, is. And so I'm just going to keep fighting for that as long as I can. Oh, that is a powerful calling. Yeah. I mean, that work of building community, building democracy. Um, I mean, you've named some of the things that keep you up at night, some <laughs> of those pressures and weights. Uh, but I'm curious, what gets you up in the morning? Can we end on a positive note of when you get up, what gets you excited about yeah. this work? What's what's the good stuff, the, the bright futures that you see in this work? So the same thing that keeps me up, I think, is positive, too, because I believe in freedom and democracy, <laughs> though. That gets me up in the morning, like, we're going to do this. And I ex- I really am excited every morning. I get up, and it's hard but I, I get up and I say, this is hard work, but it's the right work because this is a great country. It's a free country. It's a democracy. I'm going to keep fighting for this, for the right for every kid to fully experience this democracy. And I just enjoy um, seeing children coming to school. I enjoy the learning process. So when I go into schools and I see children learning to read, um, I see students now um, engaging in uh, robotics and coding, all the thing, exciting things I'm seeing in the classrooms. I'm seeing teachers um, learning with one another. Uh, it's an exciting time to be in education. It's a tough time, but it's also an exciting time because so much is changing. I see much of what is happening in the universities, the new learning from the universities or at the universities also coming down into the pre-K uh, 12 space. And that's exciting mm. for me. Uh, so it's a great uh, time to be an educator. I start every speech with, it's a great day to be an educator. It really is. It really is. And I don't want any of the educators to be discouraged by what they see. I think they have to stay focused on um, what's happening in the schools, what's happening with the children, and the beauty of the children. And I tell you, they are so funny, too. You know, when you go into the schools (laughs) and listen to them, they are absolutely hilarious. And that keeps me going. Yeah. Well, I think that's... So much of what has made you so widely respected uh, for folks in our community is once you get up and you start talking to our kids and to our teachers and families, like your passion is infectious. Like it's clear that this is what you were meant to do and you show us how to do it. You know, you've been placed into a school system where 
everything is supposed to happen a certain way and here's how we've done it and you've showed us how to find freedom, how to find that innovation and are modeling the very thing that I think we as a community have to learn how to do, how to look at ourselves and say, I know we've always done it this way, but that's silly. Why? Why do we have to do it that way? And I think you've just shown us again and again and again over the last six years how we can do it differently and we can do it better and we can follow the metrics and we can make sure that the data is showing that what we're doing is effective. And then you get up and you smile about it and you connect with the kids about it and you connect with the parents about it. Uh, and I, I mean, that's just a real gift to be able to both read the data and like care about people. Oh, yeah. Remember, <laughs> and you're bringing I, I, all of it together. I remember for us. what uh, my speech at the Guilford Education Alliance uh, about lessons learned from the movie The Black Panther. And I remember Princess Shuri says to her brother, The Black Panther, um, one of the key lessons, because he didn't want to change his suit just because something works doesn't mean you can't improve upon it. So it's no criticism about what we did. It's just that we can do it better. Yeah. We can we can keep improving, and that is always inspiring to me. Oh, well, thank you. I so appreciate your time and talking with me and uh, with everyone connected with GEA and our public school systems about the work that's going on. And with all of the GEA podcasts, we end with Three rapid-fire questions. All right. All right. So you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Favorite subject in school? English. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite I, teacher? Mrs. Doris Hargrove. And I believe education is important because? Education changes the world. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. And you can help us build great schools by sharing this podcast with others. Let's stay connected. GEANC.org.